Hi, I'm Craig. And I'm Linda. And this is the Indie Travel Podcast at IndieTravelPodcast.com. This week is episode 245, and we're talking about learning languages faster. That's right. We'll be talking about our attempts to learn German via Spanish, as well as talking to language professional Benny Lewis about his Speak From Day One approach. Well, this week, well, we're still in Acarunia, although we're getting to, to the end of our time here, which is quite exciting. We've been planning our next leg. Yeah, that's right. Uh, in, well, probably in a week or so, we'll hopefully have more of an idea of where we're going and what we're up to, and we'll be looking for your suggestions to the itinerary as well. Yeah, but it's looking like Western Europe or Central Europe. Yeah, for a couple of months at least. Yeah, we'll let you know. And also, very excitingly, our Austrian friend Sabina is here to visit. So that is cool. Yeah, we've been doing all sorts of things, including going to a couple of free concerts in the Plaza Maria Peter, which are running right through August, which is cool. The big one was Anna Berlin. Yeah, she's the one who sings the song, which is called La Puerta de Alcalá, which is a, a huge gate that we saw in Madrid. And we've heard a lot about this song because, well, it's kind of one of those, I don't know, the culture kind of grabs it's like an anthem. And uh, every time we ever talked about the Puerta del Cala with Oliva, she'd break into song. So it was the song. And we were waiting through the whole concert to hear the song, and she didn't sing it. That's right. But you can hear uh, some of our friends singing it if you check out the Retiro Park video at uh, youtube.com slash Indie Travel Podcast. Yes. That's uh, classic. It's hilarious. Classic. Remember that you can help the Indie Travel Podcast stay traveling by booking through us. Uh, visit IndieTravelPodcast.com slash flights slash hostels and slash insurance when booking your travel online. When you're shopping online, please visit IndieTravelPodcast.com slash Amazon before you go shopping. And that will give us a bit of a commission, so we'd really appreciate that. Or you can get a free audiobook with a two-week trial of Audible through IndieTravelPodcast.com slash audiobook. Our own books are at books.IndieTravelPodcast.com. It's a new address, so it's not slash books, it's books dot. Very exciting. <laughs> so books.indietravelpodcast.com. Yeah, that's a new address and a new bookstore, which is, uh, I think, a lot easier to read and a lot better to get around. But if you've got some feedback on that, feel free to send it through. Uh, and, well, shall we get into things? Yeah, let's talk about languages. As you know, Craig and I are English speakers. You might have noticed by the fact that our podcasts are in English. <laughs> I shake my head at you. Well, it's it's a blessing and a curse because it's definitely the most international language. I mean, if you're born a native speaker or if you're a native speaker because of where you grow up, you have a huge advantage because I think there are something like 300, 350 million native speakers and then something like 800 million learners because everyone in the whole world wants to learn English. It's the international language. Yeah, so even if it's not the local language, and because of British colonialization, it's the Often. local language <laughs> in lots of places around the world, uh, you'll still find signs in English, uh, you'll find people that speak enough conversational English to get by, so it is, yeah, a huge advantage. It's but it, definitely a good language to have when you're traveling. But it does make us very lazy, and it kind of shuts off parts of culture for English speakers. Yeah, I think I read somewhere that 25% of the world speaks English, something like that, which is a lot, but it still means that there are 75% of the world that doesn't speak English. And people who speak other languages have a different way of thinking. I read a really interesting study about this. Your brain works in a different way. So if you learn another language, you not only learn more about the culture in which the language is spoken, you actually think differently. 
So you're opening your mind. You're really becoming more open-minded. And uh, I read a study that said it also helps you avoid Alzheimer's. Yeah, it saves it off. (laughs) So So. there are lots of reasons for learning an extra language. There we go at every point during your life. (laughs) (laughs) I did read one study which said that bilingual children learn less words in each language. Uh So, which is unsurprising in my opinion. If you're learning yeah. two languages at the same time, there has to be a limit to the number of, of words you can learn. That's interesting, because then you look at um, writers like Joseph Conrad, who has written some of the most dense, um, I guess you can still call it modern literature, um, things like Lord Jim and Heart of Darkness. It's really, really dense. And uh, he was, I believe, a French speaker yeah. um, from birth. He's the kind of person that makes me just shake my head. <laughs> oh, oh, how I would love to speak so well in another language. I mean, my Spanish has got pretty good, but I'm definitely not proficient, unlike Sabina. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which brings us around nicely to the idea of German, which we've recently started learning in the hopes of uh, spending a bit of time in Berlin next year. And we've kind of gone around, well, gone about it in a roundabout way. Because what we're trying to do is learn German by using Spanish texts. Yeah. So I think when you first start learning a language, you have to do a little bit of translating. As soon as you can, you should try to start thinking in the language. Instead of translating between your first language and the new one, try to make sentences in the full, in the language, rather than creating the sentence in English and then translating it. However... We are trying to do that through Spanish. So if we are creating sentences or thinking of the vocabulary, we try to think of Spanish first and then German rather than going straight to English. Yeah, so I've done this in a couple of ways. Uh, We've got some German books out of a Spanish library. Yes, they are all actually. The books are actually only in German, so that's good. But But we got them out of a Spanish library. Yeah, you had to go to the desk and ask for them. Puedo... (laughs) And, uh, but more realistically, uh, we've got a couple of phrase apps that we're using on our iPhone and we're using that they're set to Spanish. Mm -hmm. So all of the translations are coming up in Spanish and we're avoiding and eschewing English completely. Yeah. I suppose it, it means that we're not thinking in English and I find I don't focus so much on the Spanish. When the word comes up in German, I'm looking at that more than looking at the translation, mm. which is which yeah, is quite useful. So I guess there's still mental work to be doing to get the the Spanish translation. Mm-hmm. So you're really forcing your brain to associate the the new word, the German word, with the concept rather than with the translation, and that's the big step for yeah. going into your third language. This has had an interesting side effect. Uh, I recently had my first conversation in German. Now, my German is very, very, very basic, very beginner, three-word sentences and the like. But I was talking to my uh, language partner, Andreas, who is the best person in the world to learn a language with. I'm not going to give you any connection with him because I don't want him to get overwhelmed. But he is amazing. And he said, come on, Linda, I'll call you. We'll talk in German. He's very enthusiastic. And uh, so we had a, a five-minute conversation. And at the end, he, he told me that I had a Spanish accent when I speak German. Which is hilarious, (laughs) but it's also great because it means that if I'm in Germany and I'm trying to speak German and I'm sucking at it, which is bound to happen, uh, people won't necessarily automatically switch to English because they can tell I'm a native English speaker. Hopefully they'll stay in German or switch to Spanish and that won't be such a problem. 
Well, let us introduce to you uh, Benny Lewis. We first met Benny in Berlin, surprisingly enough. Mm. Things seem to be coming full circle in this podcast. <laughs> um, but yeah, he is now, a, I guess you'd call him a professional language learner. Yeah. He uh, does language missions in which he attempts to learn a language from absolutely nothing to a conversationally fluent level. And uh, he blogs about it and has written a book about language learning. So, uh, yeah, well, let's introduce Benny. Well, we thought we'd bring on uh, Benny to talk to us today and give us his expert advice, because while we uh, speak a couple of languages, Benny speaks a couple of dozen. So, Benny, welcome on to the Indie Travel Podcast. Thanks for having me. I wouldn't say a couple of dozen, uh, like around a, a ten. I, I definitely say I include in the list. Well, yeah, thanks for having me. Smooth. Well, around 10 is still pretty impressive considering you finished university with uh, only being able to speak English. Can you give That's us right. a, a very brief background on your, your language learning career? Uh, yeah, I moved straight to Spain after I graduated and I lived there for, for almost six months and I did not actually speak Spanish uh, or pick up any appreciable amount of Spanish. And the reason was because I was hanging out with expats and I was try, trying to study, 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 and I wasn't really using the language. So I changed my approach. I really got into it. And then I eventually did learn to speak Spanish just by genuinely immersing myself. So it's not, it's not really about being in the country because you can be in the country and protect yourself with the expat bubble. It's more about genuinely pouring yourself into it. And I repeated that with a bunch of languages since, and that's where I am now. Very cool. And at the moment, you're in the Chinese territories. Is that right? In Hong Kong? That is right. Yep. I just got into Hong Kong a few days ago. I've spent most of this year in Mandarin-speaking areas. So the likes of uh, um, areas of mainland China, which are more eastern, and then three months in Taiwan. And even even popping over to Singapore, I actually got to speak a decent amount of Mandarin. Excellent. That's what we like to hear. And it's good to hear... uh, European-based language speakers learning Asian languages as well, because there's quite a lot of difference there. Yes, there's definitely a lot of difference, but I would treat it the same way. I would not necessarily say that Chinese is harder than a uh, European language. It's, I mean, it's all, it all comes down to your motivation and your attitude. And with that in mind, it was actually easier for me to learn Chinese than it was for me to learn Spanish, because I learned Spanish with... Uh, a uh, very poor approach at first. I was kind of trying to read complicated grammar books and stuff like that. So it took me a lot longer to get to the stage of Spanish that I would have of Chinese now. So, um, you know, I, I wouldn't say it's harder or easier. I would just say whatever language you're learning, just focus on that, pour everything into it, and you will make progress. Well, what is the first stage to, to progress? What is step one for someone who only speaks English and wants to get started on their first uh, second language? Uh, what I would recommend is getting something like a Lonely Planet phrase book. Firstly, it's very cheap. And secondly, it's full sentences that can genuinely help you with uh, important basic communication. So you learn these sentences, like where's the bathroom, how much does that cost? You start off with that. You do not start off with grammar books. You don't start off with, um, you know, the likes of Rosetta Stone where you're clicking a bunch of buttons. It's very important to start to use the language how you would need to use it. Uh, and this is what my, my focus is always on practical use of the language. The likes of grammar, I would study grammar a few months into learning the language because then 
I've got enough of a, a level of comfort to tidy up my mistakes. But at the very start, learn a few phrases and then use them. I would say to speak the language from day one. This has been the core of how I've learned every language since uh, doing it incorrectly at first with Spanish. As I find native speakers, even if I'm not in their country, because I actually learned most of my Portuguese while I was living in France, just by using uh, the likes of Couchsurfing to get in touch with Brazilians. So whatever, wherever you are, if you're not in the country now, it doesn't matter. Uh, I would recommend people go on Couchsurfing and just do a search for your city and then your target language, and you'll find people who are either expert speakers or native speakers. And just say, you know, do you want to meet up for a coffee and, and chat a little bit, and you'll get to use the language with them, and you build on that. And then if you're in the country, avoid English speakers at all costs because it's the best way to truly learn the language. You're forced to use it all the time. Okay, so that's a, a good starting point. Start with phrases, start with speaking, and get into it from day one. That's mm -hmm. a, a good move. Uh, so what is the, I guess, the, the second step for people that have a few phrases in a language and are quite happy ordering a coffee and saying hi to someone on the street? How do you really accelerate that growth? Uh, I had reached that stage uh, a, a couple of weeks into intensively learning Chinese where I could, uh, this this very year, where I could, uh, I could order stuff and, you know, I could understand prices where it's so on. Uh, and I found I'd reached a bit of a plateau even at that early stage uh, because I would try and study a bunch of words and wasn't making much progress from that. So the big jump into the deep end I did was to set myself up with spoken lessons. Now, if you can afford it, you should get private lessons one-on-one. -on -one. If you can't afford it, you should do a language exchange where you've got a half an hour where you're teaching them English then a half an hour, we're there speaking to you in your language, their, their language. And this is great because it's an entire half hour, one hour slot where you have to keep the conversation just in that language. And this forces you to get out of these 10 second long exchanges of, can I find a library? It's down here on the left. Thank you. Bye. And how much did that cost? $5. Thank you. Bye. To real genuine conversations. And it forces you to get out of your comfort zone and to say things incorrectly. And it's very, very important that people do that, that they make mistakes. You do not have to form perfectly grammatically accurate sentences. Just say something, you spit it out and you, you get your point across and people will understand you. And the time for, you know, perfecting it and making it sound beautiful is for later. For now, focus on the practical side of it. So I'd recommend that, you know, after a couple of, a couple of weeks, one or two weeks of a, of trying to learn some phrases, to sit themselves down with a native speaker over Skype or in person if they can find the, part, the, the native speakers, and to force themselves to use the language. This will get them out of this, you know, very, very small uh, bursts of, of speech into genuine, basic conversations. Very cool, very cool. That takes us from uh, from beginning to actually having conversations, which is an awesome place to be. Uh, you are notorious, I guess, in uh, in language circles for saying someone can become fluent in three months and putting together a course around it. Do you want to tell us a little bit about uh, about your book? Um, I wouldn't say that I want everyone to become fluent in three months. I mean, the name of my blog uh, and I, and the book wouldn't it doesn't have the name at all. The name of the blog 
implies that I feel that people need to push themselves harder. And I do, and I do this by putting my money where my mouth is, and I'm pushing myself to try and learn a language to fluency in three months. It's not that I have a magic formula, you know, follow these 17 steps and suddenly you'll speak the language. It's more, I've set myself this challenge and that very fact of having put myself into this uh, challenging situation means I'm forced to improve as quickly as I can. Because too many people, when they start off, they just have a very vague idea. They're just like, you know, make a New Year's resolution. I want to speak Spanish. And that's not going to help them. Or they want to speak French or Chinese or whatever someday. And someday is just another way of saying never. And you can always postpone it. So I set myself a very, very challenging task of speaking a language fluently, where fluently means that the language is flowing constantly. The native speakers don't have to slow down for your benefit. I mean, on a technical European scale, I would call this P2, uh, which is upper intermediate. So it's also important to be aware of the fact that fluent is not the same as perfect. It's not the same as getting confused for a native, which is something else I have tried when I got on in later stages in the language. But you aim for something very specific that is not perfection, and you give yourself a timeline for it. So whether that's fluency or aiming to be basic conversational within two months or whatever it is, you set yourself a realistic timeline and a realistic deadline. Um, but Realistic in that it's pushing you outside of your limits. So where failure is still a real option. And that's okay because if you technically fail it just by getting 80% of the goal, you still made a huge amount of progress. Um, so based on that, I wrote the speak from day one package, which implies how I, which describes how I get into my own uh, version of immersion. And people can get more information on that on my site. But otherwise, if they just read the blog in general, they'll see me applying this uh, very intensive immersion to learn my languages. And, that, and what, that's a huge part of it, is I set myself a challenge with a timeline, and I'm very public about it. I announce it to the world. So you start blogging about it, YouTubing it, and this uh, public pressure forces you, because uh, you need it. It's not, I don't have it the easy way to the, learn la the language. The way I do it is very, very hard. There's a lot of pressure and stress but it is one of the most efficient ways if you can deal with that pressure. Very good, Benny. Thank you so much for coming on the Indie Travel Podcast today. We'll have links to uh, your blog and your book in the uh, the show notes at IndieTravelPodcast.com. All right. Thanks for having me. Well, that was Benny Lewis. You can hear another interview with him on Indie Travel Podcast or visit IndieTravelPodcast.com slash fluent to read more about his book. I hope you're feeling uh, a bit inspired to learn a language and uh, that chat with Benny has given you the tools to be able to do it. We'll put some show notes up at IndieTravelPodcast.com. You definitely should learn a language. It's the best thing you could possibly do for yourself. Second, travel. Travel first and then start learning a language. If you want to meet other travellers or you've got questions about what we've talked about today or anything to do with travel, come down to IndieTravelPodcast.com slash forums. You can pick up a free community account and join in the conversation. Don't forget that you can help the Indie Travel Podcast stay travelling by booking through us. So please visit IndieTravelPodcast.com slash flights slash hostels slash tours and slash insurance when you're booking online. There's also travel deals updating every day at IndieTravelPodcast.com slash deals. And we've got a library of books to share at books.indietravelpodcast.com. Uh, books for solo travellers, couples, people going to Europe. Books to help you travel more, I guess. 
and uh, we've got some more on the way. Yeah, in fact, we should probably go and get on with those. <laughs> Absolutely. For some non-monetary ways of helping us out, tell your friends about Indie Travel Podcast. Invite them to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Indie Travel, or leave a five-star review for us on iTunes. Well, here's to you learning that second language. And until next week, travel well.